guys. Welcome back to the early read. We're in a bit of a lull in the sports calendar. We have like the post Super Bowl hangover. College basketball is in full swing, but don't know if it's getting like all the attention. Uh, a lot of chatter around the NBA All Star break. Uh, second half of the season coming up, obviously. Uh, the All Star weekend came and went to mixed reviews, we'll call them. Uh, but we do have the second half of the season coming up. About 25, 30 games left, the unofficial second half, and to go through player props, playoffs, awards. Uh, one of the best in the business is Joe Delera at Joe Delera, J O E D E L L E R A, on Twitter. Uh, you can find his work at the Action Network, his Twitter, a bunch of his player prop stuff there. Uh, one of the best in the business. And of course, he's the host of his own podcast, The Cash That Podcast, who once upon a time had myself on. Uh, Joe, Again, one of the best player prop guys uh, in my circle. I think you're fantastic at it. Thank you for coming on the show. How's it going? Dude, thanks for having me. It's a, it's always fun to chop it up. It's been a minute since we talked uh, college football because I know that's yeah. that's your forte. But uh, no, it, it's definitely fun. We're in the we're in the home stretch of the NBA regular season. It sounds funny because uh, a lot of people are just tuning into the NBA like right now uh, for, for the first time. You know, after the Super Bowl with the All Star break. But uh, there's a lot of data and a lot of good angles that we can play moving forward. So I'm excited about this podcast and I appreciate you having me on. So let let's start there. Player props, obviously, a uh, softer market than your typical like sides and totals on a game. Do you think like right now I'm kind of dropping you in like game 55, 60 versus game like 10 or 12? Would you rather bet into like right now, like later in the season where you kind of have the rotations and you know where it's going? Or would you rather bet earlier in the season where it's still a bit murky, but you might have an actual edge that you could kind of exploit where they haven't caught on, you know, odds, odds makers haven't necessarily caught on to somebody's assist prop or something. Whereas now yeah. that's kind of maybe a little bit more found. How do you view like late season betting versus early season? Betting? I think late season betting gets to be some of the hardest. Uh, and I think that you kind of nailed it with your intro there. Like at the beginning of the season, post trade around the trade deadline, stuff like that. Um, you, I think you have the biggest edge, not necessarily because like you have the most data. Like I know a lot of people are modelers and they use a variety of different projections or things like that. And while I use that, it's one of the tools that I have in like my bag. Uh, I think that, you know, being able to watch the game and say like, all right, like, I think this is how this trade is going to impact this team. Um, or this is something that they're going to be able to do. Uh, that's something that isn't always accounted for properly or adequately, like in just raw like numbers modeling so i do think that at this point in the season we have a lot of data um, and we have a lot of trend rates and there's a lot of things that you can kind of look to and say like oh wow like wh why are we getting this line this line seems short the hit rate is crazy and i think that's kind of where you can get into like a danger zone especially where it's like oh somebody's hit this line in 70 percent of games this season failing to understand you know the like the specific matchup or what the rest is or you know maybe like for the first half of the season somebody was hurt and they weren't playing so then now you have like an extra like huge chunk of usage coming back to kind of cut into that role so um those are all things i think that now is definitely like a very difficult time to bet on player props it's usually a time where i want to reduce my volume like a little bit uh but i still think that there are a lot of edges just given the fact that there's a lot of teams now that are tanking um or mm -hmm. there's teams that are gunning for it in the playoff standing so if you can use like motivation to help help you with your cap then like it can kind of help understand like for you to understand like where there's maybe value in a particular player's role or what their like their minutes might look like moving forward yeah like ro coach speak rotations i know is obviously a huge thing and yeah uh like i college sports typically my like where i'm in the weeds i'm locked in but uh, my pride and joy, you know, for anyone that's listening to the podcast, I imagine they follow me on Twitter and know that I'm like the biggest Nets fan alive. I uh, uh, and I always like to do, cause I think it's, it, it's more, I like to do it to challenge myself and it gives me a little bit more incentive to watch the games. And I think that I actually do have a bit of a heightened awareness about my team, the Nets, because yeah. I watch every game and I have an idea. Last season was a lot better than this season because, you know, obviously I, on, I only want to, this is not like me trying to like make serious money. I'm more doing it for entertainment purposes. And um, so when the Nets, you know, they fall off the wagon, now I'm like losing money on these, which is very frustrating. But also I still think that trying to understand what the Nets are doing, where the rotations are going, who's starting to get more usage, who's getting less usage, you know, specific matchups. I think it's an interesting 
exercise to go through. If you're betting player props or if you like are rooting for your favorite team, it's a nice way to like get your mind work. And that's like why I do it more as like a challenge and see if I can make some money. Last year was good. This year, not as good. Makes sense. The team is terrible. Uh, and I limit myself to strictly overs. And now you got um, a new coach. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's a whole nother thing to throw into it. But I think what you're hinting at, especially what you were saying about end of the season, like things are winding down. You have certain teams that are out of it. Other teams and they're going to start calling up like G League guys. They're yep. going to start getting massive usage. Whereas other teams, their rotations might shrink now. They're in the playoff push. They're going for position. How are they going to handle back-to-backs, certain matchups? Um, I think there's a lot going on. And I think you made interesting point. And what I think you do a great job you know, following you on Twitter and stuff and seeing your work, you do a very good job at understanding not only variance, but where certain guys could really out like their ceiling and where they could really outperform and kind of laddering up. And I know you've hit uh, your fair share of like triple double parlays, you know, three point ladders. I understand that, but I think even something so simple as um, I'm now going to make up a random example, but like, <laughs> Uh, like Jokic or what is it? Uh, Rudy Gobert's rebound. Love right? That's something. Yeah, love his yeah. rebound. But you also do a good job of like, okay, here's a simple thing that is happening. We have a full data set that Rudy Gobert dominates against undersized teams or whatever the handicap is. I could even yeah. pass it to you, but, or yeah, let me just pass it to you now. Like, can you break down like Rudy Gobert, how you even found this and where you kind of pinpoint it? If I'm yeah, making sure. you kind of give up yeah. an edge, then sorry, but <laughs> no, it's okay. Cause I think that a lot of you, you see a lot of people do this. Like when you look online, you can see people say like, Oh, like when so-and-so is lined up in head to head matchups with somebody um, they perform in like X type of fashion. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that, like I see it a lot and I don't like it for guards. Like I think, I think for guards and for wings, it's like not super useful um, Mm -hmm. because guards and wings, like depending on the defensive scheme or like whatever, like their role changes dramatically. Right. Whereas with a guy like Rudy Gobert, I think head to head data is much more significant. He's a center. He's not a stretch five. Like that's just not what he does. He's an incredible drop defensive center. And that's what he does. And basically teams, because of what he is and what he like and how good he is he's gonna win defensive player of the year again this year i think for the fourth time like because he's so good teams construct their defensive schemes around what he's good at so for me like when i'm looking at rudy i'm like okay i know exactly what kind of defense like you are set in like it doesn't matter which team you're on or like anything like that's the role um and then i also know like on offense he's not stretching the floor like that's just not what he does and even on defense because of the scheme he winds up being in the paint so i think that a lot of the head-to-head data for like a rudy gobert is extremely useful because like if he's head-to-head with a guy like uh like chet holmgren for example like obviously small sample size right now but you can see like head-to-head it's like all right this is how this matchup's going to kind of go or you could look at like a vucevic and see like how has he performed against him over like the whole course of his whole career so i like being able to look at that um just because i think that from a scheme perspective centers generally are most consistent throughout their careers and throughout like even whatever team they're on like they're static yeah like they have a role exactly there's a guard not to cut you up like a guard their role can kind of change especially like a two guard like an off ball guard like their role could kind of change given the defense they're facing, the matchups they're seeing and stuff like that. So uh, I cut you off, but I know exactly what you're saying where uh, a center like Rudy Gobert guys, what in like his 10th year, like you said, three time defensive player of the year, like, you know what you're getting. There's no, there's a pretty defined ceiling and floor in terms of what Rudy Gobert is going to get. And there's certain matchups that you can exploit. I think, what did you before the all-star break? Was it the Clippers where you took like his ladder? It was, it was over against or the, there was one against the Clippers and there's one against the Bulls. And the Bulls one was actually threw me off because they the Bulls had never started Drummond and Vooch together. And they surprise started them together. They'd only played like 50 possessions together on the court the whole season. And then they mm. started them together. So that like kind of threw me off. We wound up hitting it anyway. Um, but it was still just like one of those. It was like, those are even some of the things that just happen. We're just like, yeah. I didn't know they were going to do that. Like, so <laughs> it's like, you want to get the play out early. Um, Cause I think it's better for content. It's the more people tail it, like whatever. Um, but then like, there's always like funky things in the NBA that can kind of help you sometimes and hurt you the other times. Yeah, for sure. All right, so a little prop uh, primer here. We Maybe we'll go back to it. I do want to ask, though, about where we're at in the playoff kind of picture. 
Yeah. Because to me, I I'm in the minority to some that I think the NBA is in an incredible place. This has nothing to do with betting. This is just a general NBA fan take that I think the NBA is in a great place because it's not a given who's going to win the championship. You know, we're past the eras of, all right, Golden State, Cleveland, we're just going to run this back and see what happens to me. I, I think every team has a pretty fatal flaw that could cost them when it's all said and done. But you look at these standings, in the East, it's Boston, and then a handful of other teams. Maybe they're healthy. Maybe their coaching figures it out. Maybe a team emerges. Maybe uh, the Knicks stay healthy. I don't know. I could see things getting weird in the East. Um, you can never count out the Miami Heat either. And then the West, you have four teams gunning for the one seed, and then you have another group of teams that I think are incredibly flawed but have these transcendent players that can go on a run. We're talking the Lakers, the Suns, the Mavericks, where they yeah. can maybe – you know, pull a stunner out. I mean, the teams at the top outside of Denver wouldn't say they have the highest pedigree that would wow you as an NBA contender. So looking at open-ended question here, and we could kind of go in a bunch of directions, but how do you view the playoffs right now? And how are you assessing maybe title futures, matchups you're maybe already thinking about? Like, all right, like if this first round matchup happens, I imagine you're already there, Yeah, but like, are there certain things that have piqued your interest looking at the standings as we get ready for the second half of the season? Yeah. So, I mean, let's, I think the East is a little bit easier to talk about first. Uh, and it's just that like, look, Boston is running away with the one seed. So I think that there's going to be a little bit of like jockeying for position in particular. Uh, I think there's going to be a real push, especially between the Knicks, the Cavs and the Bucks to get out of the four seed. Like you want to be in the two, three, um, not playing Boston in the first round, I think, or the second round, rather. I think mm. New York lines up pretty well against a lot of these teams in the Eastern Conference. I like what they have, um, and obviously, like for the for those of you that know me and those of you that don't, I'm a big Knicks fan. So uh, you know, I have a little bit of a bias, but at the same time, I think that what they do is like I saw this one tweet, and it was like everybody in the league is like going out, they go anywhere, they score 125 points a night. You go to New York and you play the Knicks, and you get beat up with metal bats for like an hour, <laughs> like and that's and but that's what it's like to play the Knicks. So it's like it's gonna be grueling, it's gonna be a tough out. Um, to me, I'm still I still have my concerns about Boston, but I think that Boston is still the rightful favorite in the title odds and in the East based on the competition in the East, to be honest with you. Um, so I, I don't think anybody is on the same level as Boston in the East, just period. I think everybody is everybody else is like a full step down at a minimum. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you can see a, a weird I think Boston like probably going to the Eastern Conference Finals, pretty confident yeah. there. After that, like you could tell me any team makes the Eastern Conference Finals. Obviously, bracket depending, but yeah. you could talk me into a lot of different teams with how these match up. I'm sure there's going to be injuries along the way. I, I've i said, and for those of you that do know me, I'm a big Nets fan. I hate the Knicks. I could definitely see a world where the Knicks get into the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't know if I'm at like full go-to-the-finals type situation, but I definitely think it's possible. And just look at the teams at the top. The Cavs who are yeah. playing great basketball, still unproven in a playoff setting. And it they made some nice adjustments, I thought, in the offseason. I thought the Max Drew signing was a really good one, but yeah. still an unproven, still an unproven playoff group. I think Milwaukee, I don't want to eat my words and say like they're cooked, but I would be very surprised if that team went to the NBA finals. I think yeah. that I, I just I don't see it coming together i don't think that the roster is there nor do i think the coaching's there yeah uh so like, i mean i don't dude the, no. the first time the first time that Giannis shared the ball with dame was in the all-star game like that, it that was, was it like it, seriously i was when where was i was somewhere and i saw the notification that the bucks fired adrian griffin and yeah. i was like wow like good for the bucks like you know it's not working yeah you gotta you gotta, you gotta finals like motive here Got to make a move. It's not working. And then, like two minutes later, it's like, well, Doc Rivers is emerging as a can. I'm like, oh, I take everything back I just said. Like, and they're not I, one step forward, two steps back. It's right. And you're getting the full Doc Rivers experience now in hyperspeed. Where, what is he coach ten games and he's already throwing players under the bus? Seven. Yeah, like it's bad. Saying that they're uh, gonna, uh, their players were ready for Cabo. Nothing about him. And then he was like, yeah, you know, I thought it'd be a little bit easier coming in here. Maybe they should wait till they also break. Like, just deflecting all blame towards other people. Yeah, just it, classic Doc Rivers fashion. It's it's not it's not great for Milwaukee. And I and honestly, like, I think that the one concern for a lot of these teams in the East is like the teams at the bottom are 
interesting. Like Orlando is, I think, pretty good. Miami, uh, obviously, super well coached. Indiana's offense, incredible. But Philadelphia is going to be a real wild card because if you That's have Philly, be question. like if you have Philly coming out of like the six or the seven, because I think it's. I think it's likely that they can fall. Um, I don't think that they will get knocked out of the playoffs at all. Like I think that they will be a playoff team, but I think it's likely that they struggle without Joel Embiid. If Joel Embiid comes back with like two weeks to go, I know that ramping up during the postseason or at the end of the season, very difficult, obviously. Might not be like playing at 100%. Joel Embiid is, was fucking on one. Like he was so good. Um, and then getting that like out of like a six or a seven spot is not a advantageous first round matchup. So um, it's definitely, it's definitely going to be, the Sixers are definitely a wild card that could really give somebody like a run for their money in the first round. I thought it was Philly's year. Like yeah. I, I really thought this was the year with the way Boston's constructed. Uh, just, I, they are very good, but I still don't know if I'm like all in on them being like as good in a playoff setting. I thought the Sixers with the way Embiid look, Maxi coming on, and just the the subtraction of Harden and Doc, and then you add Nick Nurse, who I'm a big fan of. I think he's one of the best coaches in the league. Yeah, it felt like the Stars were aligning for a Sixers Finals run, and then this injury happens where, like, sure Embiid can come back, but he's never held up in the playoffs anyway. Now I don't believe all of a sudden, while returning from injury. He's going to be great a, yeah, and go through a full finals run where I mean, they're two up in the six right now, but you got to think you're probably playing from the five seat or below. So you're going to yep. be going no home court the entire way. It's hard on a bum knee. It just, it's tough for me to say with confidence, like, Oh, I still believe in Philly. So it, I, I think the East could get really wonky and obviously can never count out the heat. Who knows what they could no. put together. I don't think Orlando's ready yet. I Orlando, as my Nets fandom gets put to the test, I, I've <laughs> taken Orlando and under my wing as a team. That's, I really that's a like. fair. That's a fair choice. They're fun. Paolo's it's, awesome. I, I love the Magic, so I'm I'm hoping they they'll make the playoffs probably. But uh, yeah, I think I so think too. the East is interesting. The West, to me, what I what could be weird is if Denver they're three out of the one seed right now. I don't think they need the one, but if you just look at the standings. The top four teams are all significantly better at home versus on the road, and that makes a ton of sense. But is home court going to matter in the Western Conference where if uh, – you can name any team, but if the Clippers got the one seed, is that really going to be impactful for them going through the Western Conference where I think the West – there's just a lot of really good teams, and it's probably yeah. going to be – it's going to come down to an injury or two, but – uh, how do you view the Western Conference? So I think the, the West is really loaded. Um, I don't think that Denver is like super concerned with seeding. I think that they are very comfortable playing like whoever they play, right? I think that the the seeding is interesting, especially for teams like Minnesota and Oklahoma City, um, who are younger teams that I think would really, really value home court. The problem is when you look at the West, like you like you're the one seed, you're the Timberwolves, and like what you might have a first round matchup with the LeBron, or you might have a first round matchup with Steph Curry, who is just yeah. going like thermonuclear right now. Like the Warriors look great, the Lakers look really good. But the thing is, like, all of these teams in the West look really good. Um, I I could maybe see a little bit of jockeying around around for the three seed because if the three seed isn't like the pelicans or the suns and like maybe like let's say it's the kings the kings move up i think the kings are like a relatively weak spot in the west like i wouldn't yeah. be surprised to see them you know potentially get bumped uh they're in the eight seed right now but the problem is like basically five through 10 are all like pretty close, but really five through eight are really close. Only one and a half games uh, separating them uh, overall. So you could wind up being safe or you could wind up being in the play in. And I, it's one of the things that makes it difficult to bet on the Western conference right now, because I think that the matchups and seeing how the bracket yeah. is going to unfold is super, super valuable. So for me, if I'm betting on the West, I would prefer to not bet on the West right now. Um, just based on the fact that, I think that the matchups are going to make such a difference and like what the potential path could be. I'll wait, you know, maybe lose a little bit in terms of like the odds or like lose 50 cents or something like that mm. uh, in the market for the certainty that I have this team in the spot in the bracket that like I want. Uh, so I think that for the Western conference, at least I I'd prefer to wait. Denver versus the field in the Western conference. 
I mean, just yes, heads up, just right. Would you take Denver versus the field? Or think, it's not like that for you. I, I I like Denver a lot, but I think that you know, like if 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 it's like uh, if it's like minus one ten, basically, like you have to take yeah. the field. you have to take the field in that circumstance. I agree. I think that like uh, on a number, right? Like Denver is what are they like plus two hundred or something to win the the Western Conference? They are plus two twenty. So I think that like the number isn't crazy for them to win the West, uh, given what I like what the projected path is. I think they'll probably be in the four seed. Uh, it it possibly like if they play New Orleans, they play Phoenix, they play Dallas. Like those are all teams, or like the Kings, even like those are all matchups that I think Denver would be like fine in. I don't, I don't, I think that Phoenix, even as good as they are, um, they've had some issues. And the, my issue with the Pelicans is just like they seem to struggle in like they have these big letdown games. Uh, like they've been awesome. Like all the advanced metrics say like the Pelicans are incredible. And then like I watch them and sometimes I think they're incredible. And other times I'm like, how does this team 33 and 22? Like, I don't, it's hard to, it's hard to comprehend. So uh, I think at the number Denver is still fine, but I, I think I would just prefer to wait. I don't think you're going to, the numbers going to shorten significantly between now and the start of the playoffs. What I find interesting, uh, Zach Lowe, I'm pretty sure Zach Lowe said Denver on their title run last year, internally thought that Minnesota was actually their toughest opponent yeah. through the playoffs, which I find interesting that if Denver's the four and Minnesota's the one and they lose home court, could that be, it could set up a scenario. And I know we're talking like complete hypothetical here, but that could set up a scenario where Denver gets a lot of push in the market, a lot of narrative push, but actually Minnesota might be kind of a sleeping giant. And like one of those where, what was it last year? Like Golden State Sacramento, where nobody yeah. gave Sacramento a prayer. Granted, Golden State ended up winning in game seven, yeah. but it was one where everyone rode off the kind of frisky up-and-coming team and went with more what they know, went with yeah. the old school. And I just think that's like an interesting setup. Minnesota, I don't know if I could get there with the roster construction, if they could really handle four rounds, but like if they're the one seed and they, you know. Western Conference Finals, I think 100%. I think the West, really interesting. I didn't think the Clippers really – I didn't think that was all going to come together. That's come together really well. Again, though, do they have a big man that could really carry – like help, you know, you're going to have to go against potentially – what they're the three right now like you're gonna have to go through like Jokic, bam zion like sabonis go bear towns like yeah all, like there's all these dudes. titans in there ad yeah. you know so i don't know if the clippers can handle four rounds of that not to mention james harden's their starting point guard and russell westbrook's <laughs> their sixth man so uh there's a lot of uh demons there i think it's like two other teams i want to or a few more but two in particular that are firmly in the playoff race phoenix yeah. I saw them play the other week uh, against the Nets. Obviously, I'm, this I want to preface. This is not a Kevin Durant anti-slander. <laughs> Kevin Durant remains, in my opinion, one of the best players in the league. I wish he was still a Brooklyn Net. But I think no chance. Like I, I will – like anyone selling me Phoenix, I'm on the opposite side of you. I think yeah. that team is just fundamentally flawed. It's one – I'm more Phoenix stands no chance than Milwaukee – I mean, just their lone bit or their two bigs, I guess, is Yusef Nurkic and Drew Eubanks. Yeah. Going through this way, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. I think Nurkic has been better than a lot of people thought, right? Like, I think that he's playing better. Uh, like, I think it worked. Like, the trade worked for them, even though, like, on paper, Aiton is better. Um, I think that it, it's just one of those things, like, it worked. Like, chemistry-wise, like, whatever, the trade worked. I do agree with you, though. I don't like Phoenix in the playoffs. I think that, they, like, obviously, their offense is incredible. Uh, we know, like, how lethal Booker and Durant can be. Uh, Beal, obviously, when he's healthy, is really impactful. But there's always the health questions. And then there's also just, like like who else is stepping up? Like, are you going to get those games where like somebody else can score? Because we didn't see that last year. And honestly, like when they played Denver, the two games they won and uh, even like the first two that they lost, like Booker and Durant just went crazy and they still split two to two. And then they wind up losing four to two. So it was definitely like an interesting scenario. I I really do struggle to see them finding long-term success throughout the whole playoffs. And I think the same could be said for Dallas. For a lot of like the same reasons where yeah they just don't have I think the roster composition to go 
through the entire postseason. <clears throat> Excuse me. I do find it interesting, though, as more time passes in the season, I don't know if they can win, win it all, but, like, be frisk in the playoffs. Like, Lakers and Warriors are hanging around. I know it's weird looking like they're in the 9-10, but the Warriors have had, if I'm not mistaken, the hardest schedule in the league yes. so far. Second hardest. One of the second hardest. second yeah. hardest in the league. Still flirting with 500. And it's been a pretty disastrous season. The Lakers, it's weird because I watched the Lakers. Anthony Davis looks arguably the best he's ever looked. Yeah. Yet I look at like his on-off stats and they're not great. So no. I don't know what the disconnect is there. LeBron, again, can he handle a full two, three-month playoff run for at age 39? But when he plays, he's been fantastic. They're 30 and 26, and it feels like the sky is falling for the Lakers. <laughs> Joe, are either of these teams pique your interest or – do you think like maybe they could go like win a round or two and then they flame out and they bow out and it's going to go to the Denver's of the world or the Thunders yeah. of the world? Or do you think like it could they could maybe make a run as well? So I, I bet on the Warriors to make the playoffs okay. at two to one. And I bet on them to win the title at uh, there was like an 80 to one um, like okay. about a week ago or a week and a half ago. The, my thought process was I think the number is bad. So I like them. I like, honestly, both the Lakers and the Warriors kind of like over the Dallas Mavericks and the Sacramento. Kings. I agree. Completely so like, I don't agree. have a problem with that. The basically like you kind of need one of them to like leapfrog the like into that seven, eight spot for them to both get in. If they both get get it, can get in. I think the Western conference is just like, it's so loaded just based on the fact that like those teams have that pedigree. Part of what I liked about golden state though was, and when I bet them was the day that they benched clay. Um, and in part it was because of the fact that Kerr was able to set aside like the emotions and stuff like that. Like, and actually like coach the team. Like he did a good job coaching to get clay to understand like what his role is, like what, like what's going on, like help manage some of those egos. And you can start, some of your better lineups then if you're golden mm. state and then clay like we've seen him close like he went crazy i think the first game off the bench he scored like 30 points so he's 35 but yeah something, same, same something the nuts right so i i like golden state i like the coaching i like what we see from the lineups and like some of the lineups with like draymond curry pods um and kaminga have been dynamic so i like that i think that there was value on the number just based on the fact that like if they get in you know, let's say they're the eight seed or let's say they're the seven seed like you're gonna play uh two relatively like untested playoff teams in the wolves and the thunder like i i don't mind that in you know it just is like a portfolio piece if you're getting 80 to one on a team with steph curry on it who has been looking great with their seven and or eight and two over the last 10 like that's not a bad spot to be in as like a bit of a buy low scenario for a team in the western conference that i think you know they can get in and i think if they can get in like they could definitely make a little bit of noise yeah, the West, the way it's constructed, it, it's not an, a perfect comparison because it's uh, four four out of seven and all that, but it does feel more like a MLB type scenario where like you're just trying to like make the playoffs, yeah, and then you figure it out once you're in, and like you know guys with these pedigrees that could go crazy for two weeks at a time and win a series, it it just feels like these guys, especially with the play in. Just get in and fi yeah. we'll figure it out once we're in. We'll like we'll we'll draw somebody and we'll make it work. But it does feel like the East feels like okay, it's Boston until they melt down. Yeah. The West feels like you could tell me a bunch of teams, you could tell me like five teams end up coming out of it. And like I I can't say no. No. Like to me, like Phoenix and Dallas don't even qualify in that. You can still tell me like five or six teams could possibly make it to the finals, which I think sets up for a really it's exciting awesome. April yeah. or June. Yeah. This is it's gonna be my opinion fun. great. Yeah, that's what the league, I think, I, I don't know if people might like the legacy stuff, but I think this is what is going to make the league better and more viewer friendly is that like there are a lot of teams that oh, can sure. make a run here and possibly uh, end up winning it all. Before I get to awards, are there any players that you have circled during this all-star break as like, all right, we're going to come out of the break here and like I'm going to try and target so-and-so's points or this one's rebounds or you know right before the break this guy's minutes were coming up so i'm gonna like have my eye on him is there anyone that stands out to you coming out of the all-star break 
Yeah, I mean, Denny Avdia has been tremendous uh, for the Washington Wizards. And, like, it sounds – it's disgusting. Like, we're talking about the Wizards <laughs> right now, one of the worst teams in the league. But, like, look, they've been giving him run lately. Over his last four games, he scored 43, 25, 21, 24. And it all, like, correlates with the fact that he's getting minutes. Over those last four games, he played – 40 minutes, 34 minutes, 40, 42. So all of a sudden, like when he saw his his minutes spike and they were like, you know what? Uh, let's like reel off a of Kuzma a little bit. Let's reel off a of Jordan Poole. Like let's give him the ball. Like let's see what happens here. And he's been awesome. Like just been tremendous. So I think that he's definitely somebody that I'm targeting. You can get his points line at 15 and a half points uh, for this game coming up against the Denver Nuggets. Obviously, tough matchup against Denver, <laughs> but it's been in a completely different role. So yeah. I think that like Denver, they, they'll still give up some points. The defense isn't like world, world class or anything like that. 15 and a half points based on what his usage has been over the past couple of games. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely a spot that I'm targeting right off, like right when we get back from the break. So I bet it minus 102 at FanDuel. <laughs> like I, I'm, I would lock that in. Love it. Denny um, Avia. Yeah, so I like I, him. I, I ask you a player problem. Yeah, let's go with Denny Avia from Washington. <laughs> yeah, get it up in. What, yeah. what, else, what else are you thinking? What else is uh, coming down the pipe? So he's been he's been really good. And then I'm really curious to see what's going on with Brooklyn, right? So new coach, uh, they fired Jacques Vaughn. I have no idea what they're going to do with this rotation, but mm -hmm. it wouldn't like, I feel like you got to play cam Thomas, right? Like you have to yeah. let him like get a ton of run. Um, Cause they're in a position to still make the play in tournament. So I'm curious to know, like what, well, and we'll see right away, like is management going to be like, reel off the gas tank uh but they don't have their own they, i don't think they have their own picks no so, so there's no I'll, incentive I'll, I'll assist here yeah I'll, I'll assist i imagine the nets who no they don't have their own pick they swap with houston so the incentive is going to be hey let's make the play in tournament and try and go yeah. as far as possible so the pick doesn't you know turn into something great they're like yeah like you said they're two and a half out it's not like there's world beaters in front of them so i think they're going for it what i was looking at before the all-star break was a lot of Nick Claxton rebounds, which he's averaging. He's I don't even have the numbers it. up in front of me. Yeah. Close to 11. But even with Simmons, he has been hauling in rebounds. So it hasn't like Ben Simmons on the floor hasn't necessarily changed that much. Yeah. Uh, Simmons, obviously, when he's on the floor, the ball is sticking with him and he's going to try and not look at the rim and pass as fast as possible to someone open. So Simmons assists. I think Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. Honestly, a welcome addition to the Nets, an, a table setter as well. His assist, it was way off. Like it was, I think like odds makers hadn't like calibrated what Schroeder's role was going to be because he came in and came off the bench in his first game. He played 32 minutes and had like 12 assists mm -hmm. against the Spurs. Yeah. And then his next game where he was set to come off the bench, it was set three and a half against I think uh, it was Boston the next yeah, game. Yeah, I bet that. He only had like two, I think. Two, uh, I think he had only like two or three. Yeah. But I do think he's going to have to start moving forward because he's simply too good. Him and Cam Thomas next to each other. I think Schroeder assists. I think where the Nets go is try and move the ball as much as possible. Cam Thomas has also been, he's gone from an absolute zero as a passer to a like somewhat willing passer. And yeah. defenses are starting to cover him much more with much more intent, force the ball out of his hands. His assist number has been like two and a half juice to the over I would like for that to come down and that might be like a sneaky, like contrarian play on Cam Thomas over assist because you think like, all right, this guy doesn't pass. He's just hunting his points. He is, but he's also like slowly because the ball is in his hand so much because he's been unleashed. He's starting to kind of dish a little bit. So I think Nets assist props is like, an, if you could get a beat on where the rotations are going and how these guys look playing with one another, you can maybe get a beat on some of these guys at pretty depressed numbers, especially with Simmons playing. Yeah, I I totally am there with you. I think that makes a lot of sense. And then like the only other, um, the only other kind of look that I have like right now, Evan Mobley's been dynamic, right? Like he's been so good since he came back. His like PRA has been like consistently hitting. Uh, tough matchup against Orlando, like when they first get back. Um, but one of the guys that's been really fascinating is Paolo. We mentioned him before, but Paolo's assists have been incredible uh he missed last game he had five assists but his line set at five and a half he had hit it 11 games in a row um at six plus assists so it's definitely i think a pretty good look against a Cavs team who they play slow 
Um, the defense is obviously elite, but I just think that it's going to probably force the ball out of his hands like a little bit. So I might look at a Palo assist prop against the Cavs in that that Thursday game. That's a banger of a game, Cavs magic. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one. That, a that one might get a screen. That might that one might get a screen though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think all uh, great looks, great opinions, and I'm happy I was able to squeeze in just a little bit of just Nets a little talk. Bit drop. <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, before I let you go, Joe, I do want to go a little rapid fire on awards. Some of sure. them I think are closer to wrapped up and we don't need to go very far. Yeah. Others, maybe there's more of a conversation. I don't have a particular order here. Maybe I'll try it on the fly, do like most over versus to least over. But uh, DPOI, is I- it just Gobert? Yeah, I think it's just Gobert. Uh, he has that's a minus seven hundred now at Fanduel. So yeah. I, it's not like you're like it's fine to say that. I just think the the Timberwolves their defense dropped off a little bit, like just yeah. a tiny bit a the last like month or so, and they're still number one by like two points per hundred possessions. Exactly. So I just like I just don't know if there's one there, and I feel like the Timberwolves have a good enough like story behind them too. It's not like this is like a a seven seed, like with a good defense. This is the number one seed in the West right now with a good yeah. defense. And, I and, think, on, and honestly, yeah. like one of the things with all these awards is voters like like to vote for who they know. Um, mm. It's like awards get very sticky. Uh, it's hard to be like a first time winner of an award unless you're transcendent. Gobert has been incredible period best defense. Uh, you, they voted for him before this would put him in a class of like for, tied for the most defensive player of the year awards, like ever with the four. So I do think that this is like, this is an award. This is a class that he can belong in and it's appropriate, especially given like the new team, new concept, everything. I think it's appropriate for him to win. So I think that if you wanted to do like an awards parlay or something like that, like to try to rack something up, I don't mind putting Gobert in there. Like he's, he's going to win. Yeah. I, I bet AD before the season and, I I just don't see the Lakers getting there. I think the expectation was they were going to be a little bit better. Yeah. And the defense would definitely be better. And AD's been good on defense all year, but it just I don't see anyone touching Gobert. Uh, do you, I guess we're pretty much good there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, rookie of the year. Chet I, was ahead of Wemby for a second, but it seems like the tie, it seems like Wemby got a little comfortable and has a yeah. taken back the mantle. He's, where is he at right now? He is, he's like minus 600 as well. So, yeah. so he, are you, you're I, good with I think Wemby it's or? over. I think it's over. Yeah. I've I bet on Wemby and Scoot to start the season. Uh Scoot, like I as soon as like I saw what was going on, I just kept betting on Wemby. Like so yeah. like I so, like <laughs> I, I'll race that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I have like a pretty significant Wemby position. Um I just didn't want I like Chet's been awesome, but like at the same time, like when you look at what he has to do on the team, like people are like, Oh, like it matters. Like he's contributing to winning. Like, no, it doesn't. That's not what rookie of the year is. Rookie of the year is like who is putting up the biggest numbers. Like if you're in the conversation, most of the time it's because you got, you're the top pick in the draft. You got picked by like literally the worst team in the league. It just happens to be that Oklahoma city is super well managed. He is, he's, He's two years removed, really, from being drafted. Um, They got a lot of development, and then Chet's been incredible. But you, there's no comparison. Like the stats don't line up. Like if you ask Chet, if you put Chet on San Antonio, and we were like, was like, go do this. He's not doing it. It's just, it's not happening. And I think that that became like very evident uh, more recently over the past like month or so when Wemby's like got the triple double with 10 blocks. Like it's just the performances that he's putting up are incredible and he's been doing it on a minutes limit. So uh, as the, as like the sole focus of the San Antonio Spurs. So I think that award race is just completely wrapped up. It was interesting for a second. And I think everyone had like an awakening. Yeah. Not only that, Wemby is so good, which I don't think there's like a single person in the world who is going to be like, yeah, this guy isn't amazing. That the Spurs are so bad, like yeah. in spite of Wemby's excellence. And again, rookie of the year isn't, this isn't MVP. This isn't coach of the year. This is not an award that's baked in team success whatsoever. Yep. There's zero baseline around that. So, um, or basis around that. So I completely agree. I think Wembenyama, uh kind of kicking myself. I didn't uh, get involved when he had moved, like, drifted out towards like plus 150 plus 175 but i agree and i think honestly if push came to shove i think a the spurs will play him enough that he hits the games limit like even if it's in a yeah. condensed role well, there isn't there isn't a games limit for rookie of the year 
So, I didn't even know that. Yeah, so it's one of the awards that doesn't have a games limit. So he's played 49 games dumb, yeah. right now at a 55. So, like, I think, like, honestly, like, if he if he just stopped playing right now, like, maybe then you get a conversation. Yeah. But I, I really, there's no games limit. So I don't, I really just don't see it being an issue for this award. And it's one yeah. of the few that doesn't have the limit. So definitely, definitely a notable kind of point. That was dumb of me for sure for not to know that. But it also, okay. I don't even know. I don't even know if it matters that much though, because again, I no. think that voters want to vote for a guy that is that transcendent. It's going to help get to, you know, add to what is likely going to be a pretty full trophy case when his career is over, if it keeps oh, up at sure. this rate. So for he's sure. a well-deserving favorite in my opinion. Uh, next, this is a weird one. Six man of the year. I had a thought. Okay. About six minutes here. Cause I was, lo- I was looking, I have some Norman Powell from like 30 to one. That number got slashed in half. Good I actually, I, I got hooked up because I, somebody asked me, I did a radio hit and somebody asked me, what do you think about six man of the year? And I was like, oh, I think like, it's pretty, this was like way back in like around like Thanksgiving time. I was like, Oh, yeah. like, I think like it's pretty random. Like I, you could like, no one is like a firm favorite. Like there's yeah. no runaway guy here. Like, I think like Bogdan Bogdanovich is like 30 to one. And like, he should probably be close to like 10 to one. And I was in New York and I hadn't gotten back to Jersey until I was going back for Thanksgiving. And it just completely like I was going I had the intent to yeah. pick Bogdanovich and I completely forgot about it. And meanwhile, he like slips to like 750, 600. I'm saying they're like, all right. So like I have no money on this guy. And now I have to root for him not to win six man of the year because if he does, I'm going to be so upset. So yeah. I, I became like actively rooting against. I'm like, all right, like. Like you do like your award, like when you wake up and like you double check the awards, like, all right, how about Donovich? Like, I basically, I'm like basically against him without any money on it. Yeah. So Bogdanovich drifted back. I bet a little bit of pal. Cause like the Clippers were doing really well. He is low key. It's not like high usage, but he's almost a 50, 40, 90 guy. Yeah. I think Monk should be the favorite. I think that swap with Hardaway makes sense, yep. but you could tell me, any of the top four guys, Monk, Hardaway, Powell, or Levert win. The guy I looked at yesterday, Naz Reed, 80 to one. He's so he good. Probably doesn't, but... He probably doesn't get up enough and get enough buzz yep. to really get home. But like 80 to one seems a bit wide. Like if this was like December, maybe there's like enough time for him to get there. But uh, any strong opinions here? I think it depends on like if you have a bet right now, right? So yeah. like I think that having a Powell ticket allows you to bet on Malik Monk, um, like comfortably. That's what I was gonna do. It. Uh, yeah. So because my thing is right, like I don't like the Kings. Like I don't, I don't really like their prospects this year. Um, I don't think they'll like totally fall out. Like I think they'll be at a minimum a playing team, right? Um, but with that being said what the thing with the kings is like i just don't like i don't really trust them to like move up right so Mm -hmm. i don't team success matters a little bit for six man of the year so i think that's where like powell helps you um but like what monk has done he's averaging like 5.3 assists per game this season which is far and away more than uh lavert um i think it actually is more combined than like lavert uh powell and um tim hardaway jr is what monk is averaging on assists so monk's averaging about 15.2 points i think and 5.3 assists when you look at that he's contributing to like more points per game than any of those guys uh and he's also able to like effectively run an offense to a degree and i think that that's super important especially because like when you look at like tim hardaway jr has no moments this season you're not like oh yeah like there's a tim hardaway jr moment but there have been games that malik monk has won for the sacramento kings like he's got those 30 point explosions uh you know he's got those games where he's got like eight assists or something like that so i do think that monk is the play i would use monk as a hedge if you have a position but if you don't like i would just probably wouldn't bet into this market otherwise i agree it feels weird the other note i have here is that and maybe i'm just like talking about my own norman powell bet but uh, <laughs> please let me uh last year when it was tight between brogdon and quickly a lot yep. of the people that voted publicly cited not only was quickly's best moments that like padded his stats when he was starting like that yep. week or two stretch where you like had like multiple 30 point games also brogdon's like team impact like the fact that he when he was on the floor the celtics were better when he was coming off the bench so if we are looking through that lens and maybe the voters start to vote that way uh malik monk is a negative uh 0.5 tim hardaway is a negative 0.6 
Norman Powell's at plus 6.9. Yeah. So when Norman Powell's on the floor, the Clippers, who are, are you know, flying up the standings here, are better. So I think Karis LeVert, I believe he's like a uh, plus like 0.2. He's been good. Or plus no, 2, plus 2.1. Yeah, not as good. I don't know if Karis LeVert gets enough buzz to get there. I think, honestly, the biggest knock on both Powell and LeVert is that the Cavs and Clippers have like very deep benches with guys playing well. Like it's not like they're yeah. like in a six man rotation. Like uh, I know uh, the Cavs, Donovan Mitchell, they were asking about Isaac Okoro as like a six man of the year candidate. Like, so, yeah. okay. You, you can't talk about Karis LeVert as a six man of the year candidate. You're, about you're asking a superstar yeah. player about Okoro. That's not going to help your case. I know people are talking about like Russell Westbrook, him accepting the bench role is like a huge catalyst for their success. The Clippers. Yeah. So that's going to hurt Powell's case. So, I say all this as I hope Powell gets home as a long shot bet. I'm not necessarily counting on it. Like, I don't think at nine to one, this is like, oh, you got to be in on this. It's probably Malik Monk. I could see guys, an explosive player, guys really, uh, people seem to gravitate towards him as an explosive player as well. So I could see Malik Monk just taking it home. Wouldn't like bet him at minus 115, though. At no, all. I, I like don't. A, a don't very have, vulnerable market. Yeah, agreed. I, don't, I wouldn't have a huge interest in like entering this now. Okay, coach of the year, which I think is pretty wide open, but also pretty straightforward. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's Dagnall. Like the what the, he did with Oklahoma City, um, it's a there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of different pe- a lot of different parts, and a lot of young players that you have that he's had to really manage. And he's like he's somebody that's like loved, like a lot of people like really really like Dagnall. Like he's super popular, especially amongst coaches, which does make a difference. Um, cause I think they have like a little bit more pull for coach of the year. Not saying that Chris Finch isn't like a very nice guy. Isn't somebody mm-hmm. that pe- people really like or anything you hate like that. Chris Finch. Like I like Chris <laughs> Finch. I've had, I've had coach of the year tickets on him before. Um, but I think that I think it's Dagnalt's uh, award to lose. I think that as long as they finish towards the top of the West, uh, it should be okay. Um, I think that JB Bickerstaff, he's like right there. Bickerstaff, my concern with him, and I think it's just kind of left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, is just like, well, you you got like shit on by the Knicks in the playoffs, like, yeah, and and you refuse to adjust. So. Part of that, I think, is a little bit overblown. Like, I think that there were only so many moves that he could make against the Knicks, but like, still, he did kind of he did struggle coaching wise in that series. So I think that that is kind of holding him back. Only long shot I think is maybe worth anything is Missoula. He's like sixteen to one, but Boston, look, look, like Boston's—they're just a machine. Like, I think they would have to. I think Oklahoma City would have to fall. And Boston would have to go like their win total right now is they reopened it at 63 and a half. I think they would have to aggressive. It is aggressive, but like, I think that they would have to like blow by that. Like they'd have to go like 67 wins, 68 wins. And then Missoula can probably get this. And at that point, I think there's some markets where you can bet like alternate win totals or like win bands, stuff like that. I think that's just a better bet because even then, I don't know if Missoula wins, even if Boston has like one of those gaudy, like upper 60s win totals. To your point about Missoula, first of all, bad job. I mean, I didn't go with the odds. This is from FanDuel, but uh, Dagnall's plus 190, Finch 250, Bickerstaff 410, Ty Lu 650, Rick Carlisle for some reason is 15 to 1, and yeah. uh, Joe Missoula is 23 to 1. My one knock with Missoula is I don't think people think of him as a good coach. No. Like, I don't think he's looked at as like, like Dagnall, Finch, those guys are seen as like floor raisers, even Ty Lu, as like guys that have really made it work. Missoula kind of seems like almost like a trust fund baby. Like he took yeah. over this really good That's roster and incredible. kept it going. Yeah. Also, like we were talking about before, there's six up in the East. I don't know if there's like a big appetite, especially once it's clinched, which is going to be almost soon. Yeah. I don't know if there's a big appetite for them to like push for an all-time season, especially with the way the last two seasons have ended. They strike me as a team that's like, all right, we're not going for any sort of record here, especially like I know they started like a crazy home record. They're now 26 yeah. and three at home. So like that shines off. I don't know if the Celtics have like much of an interest in pushing the envelope for a big gaudy record. I I have to, you know, I have to like disclose my my share, like I like to the shareholders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have Ty Lu 10 to 1. I think I think coach of the year is going to come down to who gets the one seed in the West. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think Bickerstaff has a chance. I think that's all like 
I think that's helium. I think, like you said, there's no way people are going to gravitate towards him. Not to mention, I know that they did well with like the injuries and stuff and like they're going to be the two seed. They were also the four seed last year. So it's not like, right? They were the four seed? Yeah. Yeah, they were the four seed. It's not like they made some crazy jump. And I think by the time voting comes around, that the injuries to Mobley and Garland aren't going to be as top of mind. Yeah. I, I think I, that like... I get, I think that this like jump for Bickerstaff, like I guess it's noted, it's noted, but I don't think that he, like he's like a serious winner. I definitely think the Western Conference, Western Conference will have the coach of the year. Yeah, I, I think so too. I I do think it's Dagnall, but I couldn't like fault anybody for voting for Finch. I think it's I think it's a two man race. I think that's just kind of it is what it is. So no, if you have like. Yeah, like I, I don't I just don't see it. I think the people know that he's a good coach. Um, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, he's managed had to manage like a lot of personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's possible maybe like, you know, he gets some votes, but I think they'd have they would have to jump to the one seed. Um, yeah. and I just don't know. I think it's they could, they definitely could, but I just don't know if they like really care to push for that. Okay. Most improved player. Tyrese Maxey, since I believe the first game of the season has been an odds-on favorite to yeah. win most improved players. Minus 190. I'm, again, I'm just looking at FanDuel. Uh, make sure to shop around. Kobe White, uh, I think everybody's favorite player that nobody talks about, is uh, <laughs> plus 410. Uh, Alperin Sangoon, plus 750. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga's 850. And then you see a bit of a drop-off to your Jalen Williams, 34-1. to 1. Uh, Your favorite player, Joe, Denny Avdia, 75-1. to 1. <laughs> Scotty Barnes, 75 to one. I, I think that's pretty much where we, we probably called it a few players before. But simple question. Is Tyrese Maxey the one most improved player? Or I, I think so. Um, the way that I kind of view it is Maxey was the guy that everybody wanted to vote on at the beginning of the year. Um, and he has done nothing to dissuade people from doing so. Um, like the numbers that he's putting up are excellent. Uh, like 26 points three boards, six assists or six and a half assists on the season. I think the concern and like the, why the odds, cause the odds have shortened a bit of late. Like they're, they've gone down to as low as minus minus one ninety. Um, I think that it, that in part it's because Joel Embiid is hurt. Um, and I think that what that's done is like teams are saying like when they go to prep to play the 76ers, it's not a like, we need to stop, do whatever we can to stop Joel. And uh, Maxie's, Maxie's a problem too. Let's see what we can do. Now the entire conversation is, well, well, let's stop Tyrese Maxey and make like Tobias Harris beat us. Um, Kelly Oubre beat us like somebody like that. So I think that he's struggling like a little bit, some on like any given night, like seeing like consistent doubles can seeing consistent traps. But I do think that overall uh, he's too good of a player to kind of get stuck in that. So while maybe there's a rut, all-star break gives you plenty of time to like look at film, try to game plan a couple things to help open it up. And having Buddy healed there as like a release valve is, I think, super important for Maxi uh, in terms of just having somebody elite to pass to. It like you, it makes it so much harder to double him uh, because there's such an elite shot maker on the perimeter there. So I think that if anything this might be a, a buy opportunity for Maxi, Maxi even at like minus 190. And I hate saying that for like awards, yeah. but I do think that he's, I think that it's his award to lose. And I think that he's so good and so talented. And Nick Nurse is a great coach that they're going to be able to scheme things to help him out. And the numbers are just going to be there at the end of the season. You're going to be like, well, why, like, why are we not voting for this guy? I know that Kobe White's been incredible. I think that he is the only other competition at this point, but at the same time, there's so many other players in Chicago that like Kobe white is not the focal point of the offense. Whereas Tyrese Maxey is for Philadelphia. Yeah. I would, after going through all the candidates and really looking at it as prepping for this pod, I kind of left it as like, not sure there's a bet here and probably wait and wait a little bit longer and bet Maxey once yeah. it gets like your minus one fifties. Cause I, I do agree with you. It feels like the, the odd shortening makes sense because other contenders are starting to emerge. But in my opinion, at least when I'm betting awards, like I need to feel confident, like especially now, like if you bet Kaminga, Kobe White, you're 50 to ones, 100 yeah. to ones, like job well done, 100%, like yep. not taking any credit away. But like if I'm betting now, like 850, 950, like I need to be confident, like they could fully make the leap over because to yeah. me, Maxi. Like you mentioned, his role is not going away. 
I think the Sixers are going to be able to do enough to stay out of the play in picture, which is probably like exactly. at least what you need. Yeah. Like if they may, if they really fall apart, then you start to get a little worried. But like to me, Kaminga playing great since he took over the starting job. You're also like, is he really going to be a 20 point a game guy the entire second half of the year? And it's not like Steph is going to get a lot of like, I don't know if like Jonathan Kaminga is getting the buzz from this no. Warriors resurgence. No. And Kobe White, like you mentioned, there's a handful of veterans there playing decent ball. Like Kobe White is taking a tangible leap forward. It's like, been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Most improved player, though, you need to make like an all star level leap for like a full season. Yeah. That's why to me, like, it's kind of a shame because I actually think the of the contenders, Sengun's probably like the best actual candidate. Yeah. Like he's not going to win because they're falling, they're falling out of the playoff race and it's likely going to be kind of a yeah, it's getting gross over the, there. <laughs> the the Rockets are going to like be out of sight to everyone. Like if the Rockets were still in the play-in game, I'd be like, Sengun's pretty interesting because he is taking like a tangible leap. I I don't know how close he was to the All-Star game, but like I know a lot of people had voted him. Yeah. Um, so to me, like Sengun was a little interesting. Jalen Williams, probably not enough buzz. We're going to talk MVP in a sec, but like with SGA there, Dagnall coach, like Chet, I guess, in the limelight yeah, of a rookie of the year discussion. Yeah, conversation. It just feels like Jalen Williams, who is also amazing. I don't know if he gets up enough. Maybe his odds go from like 34 to 1 to 20 to 1. But like to me, it's probably Maxi. And that's like kind of it. Like yeah. Mac, wait for Maxi to keep dropping and then play him, or yeah. and, and just like kind of don't. And like I'm speaking from like I have Maxi preseason fourteen to one. I have him at plus two twenty five, and I have a Kobe White at thirty to one. So okay, like, so you're in, you're in. So like, you I'm have to speak in, objectively like, though. Yeah. So like I'm in. I'm fine. Like I, but I still think it's Maxi. Like I like that's kind of the way that I've looked at it. Um, and like I did have a loser. I do have a loser. I have Desmond Bain ticket as well. So. I, I have Desmond Bain also. Yeah. So I, like, I do have a loser it. in the market. I had a crazy number on Desmond Bain. Yeah, like 40 to 1 or something. Like it was uh, good. Like 60 to 1. I yeah, was like I was ready. What I was like, oh let's go. Like let's especially go. when the Grizzlies were to fight when Ja came back, I was like, oh this might it's actually gonna be good. Yeah, it's gonna have legs. But that I I just think it's Maxi. I think that like he's the number one option right now in Philadelphia. We've seen him be able to do that. Uh and you're right. Like I think that like from an actual most improved perspective Kobe White is like makes a lot of sense even like then because it's like people like I, I thought he was like gonna get cut like I thought he was gonna be done and yeah. then now he was, he was looked he at was as bad, bad. As a yeah like he was bad guy. so um like I have like his fucking rookie cards like sitting in a box <laughs> without penny sleeves on him because I thought he was so bad so I gotta go back through there and like put him in put him in top loaders but uh that's that's kind of the situation so Either way, though, I think I think Maxi's the bet. Uh, and if you want to hedge one way or the other, um, I, I don't I don't really mind that. But I think that you, at a certain point, you need to just sit out like some of these awards too. I agree. It's it's a little bit different than like NFL MVP. Like it's kind of like you want to build up positions early when it's almost like out of sight. The yeah. NBA discussion, get in early, be ahead of some markets, and then like now is more like come back in later. Yeah, like, yeah, come back late. Like when you like to me like. When you know the answer, then you start kind of jamming. Like yeah. you, you could start with like when you get to like the final like 15 games and you're like, all right, like this guy, like the awards podcasts and article, like then you start like doing your research yeah. and it's like, all right, then you start jamming the winner pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Um MVP. Uh the Tim Bontemp Straw poll came yeah. out last Friday, I believe, last Thursday. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Jokic took home about two thirds of the first place votes. Obviously, Embiid is not uh eligible anymore sga took home pretty much the remaining third of the votes so Jokic, pretty sizable lead tim bontem Paul has been like insanely predictive of nba mvp so like that is like legitimate like take that like if it ended right now Jokic would be the mvp he's minus 140 in the market sga's plus 210 Giannis nine to one luca 12 to one tatum 29 to one then a lot of other really good players are 75 to one and beyond uh from FanDuel. I had some Embiid early. I'm very upset that he was ruled out. And I basically bet Jokic and SGA, I'm out. I have, I literally make like no money on any of them. It's just like, I'm basically out. Yeah. Yeah. So, which like, that's what you have to do sometimes. I am thinking about coming back in on SGA. So, I think if there's, if there's one bet to make, I think it's Shay. I don't think Giannis has a chance. I don't think Luke has a chance. I don't think anyone's really getting up. I think it's Jokic or Shea. 
So what I would do uh, to talk you off of the Shea position okay. is basically I think the only way Shea wins the award is if Oklahoma City is the number one seed. Okay. You can bet the number one seed at a better number than his MVP price. So you can Ooh. bet the number one seed at plus 325 at MGM. Uh, that's the last number that I checked. I think that's a better bet because you can hit that and like you could have lost the MVP bet still. Like yeah. I think the only circumstance that SGA can win the MVP is either if Jokic gets like hurt, doesn't play, um, or like the he is the number that they are the number one seed. So I think that betting the one seed is like a better like uh, proxy or so to speak yeah. for MVP because you're taking out that voting aspect of it. Um, I think you're taking you're just removing that from the circumstance. So I think like if you like Oklahoma City to potentially be the one seed, that's the bet uh, because like I don't think that them even winning the division is enough. Like if the Clippers sneak in, like then like they're you know the, the Clippers are the one seed. Then like I don't know if that's enough then for Shea. Uh, like I think like if even if they're like the two seed and it's like they're only short of the one seed by like a game, I don't know if that's enough. I think that they have to be the one seed in the West for Shea to win. Um, that being said, I think you, the point that you brought up about the straw poll critically important, and it's like kind of one of those things like when you know that straw poll is coming out, because like, you know, like loosely when that final straw poll is coming out, like whatever comes out as like the winner, like unless it's like within like a couple votes of each other, like just like go hammer it. Like just go. Yeah. It's, just go it's one of those things. Like, it. yeah. But when you, when you know, you know, like that's like, yeah. you have the, it's, it's basically a cheat sheet to the, to the answer to the test, the test being the NBA <laughs> award show. Like yeah. you, you basically know. So my case, and first of all, the bet OKC to be the one seed is an excellent point. I completely agree. And I think what's interesting, though, is when voters go to decide who's going to win, I think it will be interesting to see how certain people frame it. Because from like your EPMs and to quote Zach Lowe, your Vorps and Schnorps, Shea is going to grade out as the number one guy. He's, He's going to grade as the most valuable player. Jokic, relative to expectation, this is kind of a down year for him. If you just look at his numbers, it's not the same. Yeah. It's not his MVP level. He also won the finals last year and won finals MVP, so I don't think he really cares. Yeah. I don't think he cares anyway. But I do think it's interesting if Denver ends up in this, like, four seed, they kind of just go through the motions at the end of the season. Like, I don't know if Jokic is going to inspire a ton of confidence to get that vote, whereas if SGA keeps up his really high level of play – I think there's a ton of case for him to at least take the award. It's more, will the voters get over their, is bias the right word? Or like their yeah. old ways, their They're, old thought process of like, hey, we're going to give it to Jokic and Bede and Giannis. And that's it. Giannis yeah. a few years ago, obviously. Like there's like a stickiness to awards. It's like, like I said yeah. a little bit earlier, it's like people want to vote for who they voted for before because it's like confirmation bias. It's not crazy. Like you're not going to get canceled for like your vote. Like it's, it, you know, like, it, like it's like, like if Luca goes crazy and like Dallas wins like 20 games in a row, then like, sure, like Luca could win. Um, because I think that he's somebody that people have wanted to vote for. Um, whereas you know, Shea, favorite every year. Yeah, like he's like <laughs> the favorite every year. year. So like, and that's that's the thing with like Shay, he's not somebody that everybody's like, oh, like I want to vote for him. But at the same time, he was first team All NBA last year. So I think that like the voting, the voters are there on him. Like they know he's really good. Um, I think that they just need to see that he also was the one seed because I think everybody knows what Denver is doing, like the path they're on, like they had mm -hmm. that huge, like that really deep playoff run and Jokic is still performing at like an all world level. If, if OKC finishes in second and Denver finishes in third, it's going to go to Jokic just based on the fact that like the expectation for him is so high every time. And like, if you ever watch him play, you know he's the best player on the floor. Like, it doesn't matter yeah. who he's playing against. He's the best player on the floor, regardless of the advanced metrics. And I think that that's super notable. Um, so that's that's kind of where I am with it. I think if you have to enter the market now, uh, I would just bet OKC to be the one seed uh, at like, like a better that. number than the MVP. Yeah, and I, I all excellent points. I think... I think Giannis has like zero. I, I honestly, it's a two-man race. I'm operating as a, it's a two-man race. I, I think, I just, I can't really see voters getting over the firing of the coach. Like, I think everyone also is like aware 
that Milwaukee isn't as good as probably their record is anyway. So yep. it's not like you're, I know Giannis has a lot of really good numbers, but like he's not, he's not being viewed as an MVP candidate in my opinion. No. Um, and then the last thing on SGA was what I thought was interesting in the bond temp straw poll, like his written part of it yeah. underneath the vote. If you go and read it, I'm going to paraphrase, but he was saying how last the past two years of the straw poll, the guy in second at this point at the halfway point actually ended up winning the award. Like he did a whole like blurb about how SGA is actually like the, you know, the trends, you know, he's actually going to win. I just thought that was really interesting that it was framed in that way. I, again, I don't think he was like, like there was nothing like nefarious going on. It was more just like, I thought that was an, I read the article. I was like, that's interesting that he was like talking Shay up despite coming in second. It was an interesting nugget that I guess we'll see probably, you know, in like a month or so uh, with his, either his third and final or third of four, uh straw pulls but yeah joe this was awesome i said i was gonna keep it under an hour we're a little bit over so i apologize but please plug all the great work you're doing this nba season and beyond uh this is your floor all right so you can catch me uh on x at joe delera it's joe uh d-e-l-l-e-r-a uh it's the same handle in the action app you can get all my plays like in real time uh as i log them and you can check out my record so it's all like tracked it's transparent there's nothing i can delete or add uh it's all it's all logged in there as i bet it um additionally you can check out my podcast uh the cash that podcast it's available on youtube it's available on uh, spotify apple wherever you find podcasts and uh that drops usually every wednesday uh this week might be a little bit different given the you know given the schedule of the nba but probably drop it still the same time uh so uh th that's really where all my work is and we we do the best that we can and it's mostly nba focused but we we dabble with some outs props for the uh for the mlb market stuff like that I love it. Joe, I really appreciate it, man. Uh, thank you for uh, bearing with me. Uh, seriously, a lot of ton of uh, actual info. His podcast is also fantastic. Like you said, you can follow him on Twitter at Joe Delaria. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wallach. We'll be back either later this week before the weekend or ahead of next week's college basketball slate. We'll be back in a final stretch of four selection Sunday. So a ton more college basketball content coming your way. Joe. Best of luck the rest of the regular season. We might need to bring you back for the playoffs, but uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on.